Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Radio Days, where we feature the best of old-time radio for your listening enjoyment. We started off the year saying we would bring music, comedy, and adventure. Well, music and comedy is out, and we're back to what works. Adventure, detective, lawman, and suspense. Your old favorites will be regulars. Dragnet, Gunsmoke, Dangerous Assignment, Suspense, Johnny Dollar, Texas Rangers. You get my drift. The good stuff. Thanks for being with us and staying with us. And tell a friend. And enjoy those old radio commercials along the way. And now, our show. Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. Danger is my assignment. I get sent to a lot of places I can't even pronounce. They all spell the same thing, though. Trouble. But when I walk into the commissioner's office, I don't realize that this assignment's going to have me playing a friendly little game of who's who. The only trouble with it is that the guy who loses gets killed. Commissioner. Ruth said you had an assignment for me. I do. Steve, suppose you had a secret code. Yeah? And you suddenly found out it wasn't so secret. What? Suppose you found out that a hostile country had succeeded in deciphering it. What would you do? Well, I'd quit using that particular code. Would you? Well, wait a minute. No, I don't. If, if I knew that they'd broken the code, but they didn't know I knew, I think I'd keep on using it. Why? Well, that way I could send a lot of phony information that would probably tie their strategy in knots. That's absolutely right, Steve, and that's just what's been going on for the last six months. What? Yeah, six months ago, we found out from a very secret source that a certain country had broken one of our diplomatic codes, one we've been using with the French government. And we've been using that same code since, sending false information? Yes, we've managed to mislead that particular country on several vital issues during that period. Well, it sounds like a pretty neat little racket. It is indeed, and we'd like to keep it going as long as possible, but... Obviously, the success of it depends on their not knowing that we know they've broken our code. And that's why the whole thing is hanging in the balance right now. You mean they found out we not know? Not yet. But unless we can prevent it, they're going to find out very soon. How do you mean? Somewhere along the line here in the States, there's been a leak, Steve. Somebody's found out our little secret. And right now is en route to a meeting with a representative from that other country to sell them that secret. Oh, great. Who is this guy and where is he now? We think that uh, he or she's in London at the moment. He or she? Well, Steve, we haven't the slightest idea who this person is. Oh, you're really giving me a lot to go on, Commissioner. Well, right now, that's all the information we have. Uh, do you know where this meeting is to take place? No. Huh. Uh, you say you think this character is in London. Have we any agents there? Yes, yeah, Slater's in London right now, working on the deal. He's staying at the Regency Hotel. Get over there, Steve. Work with Slater. Try to find out who this person is, and above all, prevent that meeting from taking place. Well, that's it. You've got your assignment. Good luck. National Broadcasting Company is presenting Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy in the role of Steve Mitchell, colorful, two-fisted government agent. At all those places of the world where danger and intrigue walk hand in hand, there you'll find Steve Mitchell on another Dangerous Assignment. Sure, I've got my assignment. Find somebody, we don't know who, who's on his way to a secret meeting, we don't know where. A real breeze. Well, it's Wednesday when I get to London. I head for Slater's hotel room. Sure glad to see you, Steve. I've been chasing so many smoke rings on this deal for the last few days that I'm groggy. But all of a sudden, things are looking up for us now. What do you mean? An old friend of mine blew into London from Eastern Europe last night. Triflis. Oh, yeah, that little international information peddler, huh? That's right. What I found out from him cost me plenty, but it was worth it. What'd you find out? The meeting is to take place in Athens, Greece, tomorrow night. Athens? Yep. According to his information, our boy is going to be on the plane that takes off in two hours. Oh, Triflis seems to know just about everything else. Does he know who this party is? No, you know how these things go, Steve. You can find out a lot about events in this business, but as to the names of people involved, well, that's a different story. Yeah. 
one more thing. Do you have any information on where in Athens the meeting is to take place? No. As I understand it, Steve, the boy who's peddling the secret is to be contacted in Athens by their agent as soon as the plane lands. Presumably, the agent will set up the meeting with him then. I see. Well, I guess I'd better arrange myself space on that plane to Athens. Good work, Slater. See you in Athens. Right, Steve. Shots came from Slater's room. I run back and jerk the door open. Slater's lying on the floor. Window, Steve. Window. I head for the open window. There's a fire escape leading down to the alley, but there's nobody in sight. I go back to Slater, but one look, and I know he won't be able to tell me who shot him. Slater is dead. So now I'm strictly on my own. The boy we're after was on to Slater, all right. Now I'm asking myself, is he or she on to me, too? I've got an uneasy hunch that sooner or later that question will be answered one way or another. But right now, I know the killer's going to be on that plane to Athens, which means I've got to be on it, too. I cable our agent in Athens, and then I head for the airport outside London and buy my ticket. I've got half an hour until takeoff, so I drop in at the bar just off the waiting room. There's only one other customer at the moment, a girl down at one end of the bar. I slide onto the stool beside her. Hi. Hi. One for the road, huh? Yeah. How about you? Where I'm heading for, I'll need more than one. Oh, where's that? I got a job waiting for me in Arabia. Secretary to the boss of an oil company there. But you know, little Marty's having a tough time telling herself into taking it. Yeah, that's pretty rugged country. Yeah. So I'm keeping my eyes open. And if I find anything more interesting along the way, I'll take it. You mean a job? Leave us not limited. Well, now you've heard the story of my life. What's yours? Oh, just knocking around, heading for Athens in about 20 minutes. Oh, good. Huh? We'll be plane mates. What? Look, I thought you said you were going to Arabia. Sure. By way of Athens. I see. A little out of your way, isn't it? Maybe. But I'm in no hurry. Like I told you, if I run into anything more interesting on the way, well... <laughs> yeah. Well, who knows, Marge? Maybe you will. I'll see you on the plane. Twenty minutes later, the plane takes off. I get a passenger list from the steward and start checking off the names and the faces in my mind. Quite a few of them I can eliminate right off the bat. Some British Army and Navy officers, a Senate committee. Finally, my list narrows down to four passengers. Marjorie, the girl who's looking for something interesting... A tall, sinister-looking gent named Stryker who's sitting next to her. A nervous little Frenchman named LeBlanc. And a fat gent named Fabian who's sitting next to me. Fabian's the happy tourist type, and his supply of bum jokes is apparently inexhaustible. <laughs> then he says, why, that's nothing. I can't even find the room. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good, huh? Well, that reminds me of the one about the fellow who decided that... That, uh... <laughs> How do you like that? Won't even let me start it. Now, that's the trouble with these foreigners, you know. No sense of humor at all. You know what I mean? Well, I wouldn't exactly say that. Now, you, you're different. You're a fellow American. You know what I mean? I guess so. I mean, you got a sense of humor. Now, this joke I was about to uh, tell... Yeah, yeah, it's... you've got quite a stock of them, haven't you? <laughs> Listen, when you're a traveling salesman, it isn't long before you find out just how important jokes are. You know what I mean? I mean, when it comes right down to it, you're not selling your product, you're selling yourself. Well, in your case, I'll bet you must be quite a salesman. Well, no, that, that's mighty nice of you. Uh, I'm not sure I get you, friend. Oh, I skip it. What else do you sell besides yourself and your snappy sense of humor, Fabian? Oh, the right fountain pen, friend. Surely you've heard of us and our slogan. Slogan? Yeah. Right, right, right. Oh, fine. And that, of course, reminds me of the story about the woman who used one of our pens. Hey. Aren't we turning off our course? Yeah. Uh, I wonder why. We're over the south of France right now, and it's fogging up on us quite a bit. We'll probably be down for a few hours. Well, well that suits me all right. I can sell as many pins in the south of France as I can anywhere else. I can. I can see one guy it doesn't seem to suit. Huh? A tall gent sitting next to the girl. He seems to be doing a little fancy fidgeting. Uh, I say, I didn't notice before. Uh, 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 the little lady, she, she's quite a looker, isn't she? You mean Marjorie? Uh, oh, you know her? Uh-huh. 
Hey, you, uh, you think I could make any time there? Well, she said she was looking for something interesting. <laughs> well, in that case, we ought to get along just fine together. Because if there's one thing I am, it's interesting. You know what I mean? Uh, no, but keep me in the dark. Know what I mean? <laughs> the plane lands at a little emergency airfield. Nearby, there's a French village. All of the passengers troop in and head for the nearest bar. Steve, how are you doing? Hi, okay, Marjorie. You know, I've got a guy who's just dying to meet you. His name is Fabian. Oh? Well, I hope he's more interesting than the tall gent who's been sitting next to me. His name's Stryker. But I had to practically beat that fact right out of him. Yeah, I don't think he said more than six words all the way. I noticed he didn't seem too happy when the steward told us we were going to land here. Yeah, I noticed that, too. How about a drink? Oh, sure. As soon as they're fresh enough. I'll see you a little later. Okay. Oh, my apologies, Monsieur Mitchell. I didn't see you behind me. Something you wanted, Lubeck? Well, well no, I, I was merely passing by you when you turned around. Funny, you were awfully quiet about it. What do you mean? Also funny that you should know my name. No more so than you should know mine, Monsieur. Huh. Yeah, I guess that makes us even one way or another. How about a drink? Merci, but uh, I prefer not. LeBlanc scurries outside. Fabian over at the bar gives me a big grin and waves me over, but I've had enough of his know-what-I-mean and lousy jokes to last me for the rest of the trip. After a while, I get tired of waiting for Marjorie and inhaling all that smoky air, so I go outside. The fog is swirling thickly around the place. I start walking, trying to fit together what I know so far, which isn't much. LeBlanc, the Frenchman, Stryker, the tall, silent guy, Fabian, the jokester, and Marjorie. It could be any of them, or it could be none of them. Yeah, right now I'm beginning to wonder if I've taken the wrong plane. Then I hear it. Just a little sound, but enough to tell me I'm not on the wrong trail. After all, the sound of a gun being cocked somewhere in the fog. I hit the ground fast. The slugs fan past me. I scramble to my feet and take off in the direction I think they came from. Suddenly I'm wallowing around in a muddy field. I can hear somebody else running, but in the fog I can't tell where. The mud gets gooier, but I keep going. Suddenly a hand shoots out and grabs my ankle. I spread eagle in the air. Too late, I see the rock on the ground under my head. I make a perfect three-point landing. You are listening to Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. I don't know how long I've been out, but when I come to, I'm all alone in the muddy field, so now it looks like whoever I'm after knows a lot more about me than I know about him. But what I don't get is this. Why didn't he finish me off? I head back to the bar, but all the other passengers are gone. I find out from the bartender they've gone back to the airport. So I get there on the double. The plane's up at the end of the runway, all set for the takeoff. I make it aboard just in time. Well, Steve, we were beginning to think you missed the plane. Yeah, looks like somebody was trying to arrange for me to miss the plane, Marjorie. What do you mean? Oh, skip it. Hey, so, my friend, I hope you don't mind if I desert you for a while. Well, I'll try to be brave about it. Fabian. I thought it was high time that this little lady and I got acquainted. You know what I mean? So I talked that guy Stryker into changing seats with me for the rest of the trip. Okay, see you later. Yeah. Well, I see you didn't miss the plane, LeBlanc. I? But why should I, Monsieur Mitchell? Well, that's a good question. Excuse me. I uh, said excuse me. Hmm? Who? Oh, sorry. A bit wrapped up in my book, I guess. You mind if I squeeze by you? This is my seat next to the window. Oh, quite. Thank you. You're a striker, aren't you? Hmm? Oh, yes. Mine's Mitchell. Really? Fabian said he'd uh, talked you into trading seats with him. Hmm? I say, old boy, if you don't mind, I am trying to read. Sure, not a bad idea. Let's see, I think I left my newspaper here on the floor. Yeah. Here it is. Uh-oh. What stopped me cold is Stryker's shoe beside the newspaper on the floor. There's mud on it, and it's the same color of mud as that in the field where I was chasing the person who shot at me. So, Stryker, at this point, has just been promoted to number one on my suspect list. It's a long haul to Athens, but I don't close my eyes for a second all the way. Sitting next to a guy you think could be a killer is not exactly conducive to snoozing. Finally, the plane lands in Athens. 
I get off first and hurry into the waiting room. According to what Slater had found out before he was killed, this is the spot where the contact is to be made. I look around the waiting room. Several people are lounging around, two guys over in one corner, a third standing in front of a poster, a woman with a baby. Any one of them could be the agent. Now the rest of the passengers file into the waiting room. Marjorie's first. She doesn't talk to a soul, but heads straight for the newsstand, picks out a magazine and starts looking at it. Next comes Fabian, the fat boy. He walks straight through the waiting room and into the limousine outside. Stryker follows him directly to the limousine. Then comes LeBlanc, but he stops in the waiting room and talks to one of the men there. The gent turns and leaves. LeBlanc starts out the door. I catch up with him outside. Let go of me, Mitchell. So you're my boy, LeBlanc. I said let go of me. What? Well, complete with gun, huh? Oui, complete with gun. And now to keep you in order, my friend... Handcuffs? Hey, what is this, anyway? Since you seem to be aware of my identity and attempted just now to detain me forcibly, it follows that you are undoubtedly a criminal wanted in one country or another. Now, I will investigate and... Criminal wanted? Hey, look, who are you? Inspector Leblanc of the French Sûreté. Oh, great, and here I've been thinking that... Now, monsieur, perhaps you will be good enough to identify yourself? Well, my credentials are in my pocket, but it looks like you'll have to fish them out yourself. These handcuffs are a little confining. Very well. Uh, Ah... Please? Yeah, that's it. What? Agent from the United States. That's right. Looks like we've sort of been working at cross purposes, doesn't it? Now, would you mind unhandcuffing me, LeBlanc? Oh, but of course. You know, I feel somewhat embarrassed, Monsieur McCoy. That's okay. I guess I did look a little suspicious to you. Oui, and then when I learned of the attempt on your life in that muddy field in the south of France... Hey, wait a minute. You saw someone shooting at me? No, no. I was outside walking around when I heard the shots. I saw you run across the field in pursuit. Then I heard you fall. Ah, that explains why I wasn't killed then. The killer must have heard you and took off. Mitchell, it is obvious that we are working on the same assignment. A code proposition. Oui. Yeah, well, according to our information, LeBlanc, whoever is out to sell the secret was on that plane. He or she was to be contacted at the airport waiting room. Oui. Now, with you off my suspect list, that narrows it down to three people, Stryker, Fabian, and Marjorie. But none of these three people spoke to a single person in the waiting room. I know it. That's what bothers me. Incidentally, who was that guy I saw you talking to, LeBlanc? Oh, that was one of my men, Mitchell. I had ordered him to try and discover who was to contact one of the passengers, but he was unable to do so. Eh, I don't get it. None of them did talk to anyone. They got in the limousine and... Mitchell! What's the matter? The limousine! While we stand here talking, we have let them slip right through our fingers. You mean the contact might be made in the limousine? Oh, at some other point. Any one of them could have the driver drop them off at the meeting place. Well, a matter of fact, I sort of hope that's what happened, LeBlanc. Makes things easier for us that way. Easier for us? Are you insane, Mitchell? Not more than usual. Come on, let's go to the hotel, LeBlanc. I'll show you what I mean. Mitchell, I still do not understand what you mean by... Oh, no, wait, wait. That man sitting over there in the center of the lobby, is he not the driver of the limousine? Looks like him. Come on. Eh, uh, I beg your pardon, monsieur. Hi, Steve. Bill? Uh, Steve, Bill, do you know each other? Sure. This is Bill Donner. He's an agent of ours, LeBlanc. What? But the, the, how did you arrange for him I to... cabled him before I left London, told him to be at the airport here in Athens when the plane landed. I figured the logical thing for me to do was drive the limousine. Oh, I see. Anything of interest happened on that trip from the airport here to the hotel? Nothing, Steve, but really nothing. Mm. All three of them come to this hotel? No, Stryker wanted off at another hotel a few blocks away. Mitchell, perhaps that is where the meeting is to be. Hey, don't worry. I asked for the cooperation of the Athens police. They've got a boy over there keeping an eye on Stryker. As for the girl and the fat boy, uh, what's his name? Fabian. Yeah, Fabian. We've got their rooms watched. Nobody's been to see them, nobody's called them on the telephone, and they haven't tried to make any calls or contacts either. Ah, well, good work, Bill, but that's the trouble. It's almost too good. What do you mean? We've got all three of them bottled up tight. Maybe the contact's already been made. Well, there sure wasn't any contact made after they left the airport waiting room, that's for sure. And, Mitchell, how could any contact have been made Inside the waiting room. We observed all three of them. They did not talk to a soul. The two men went directly to the limousine. The young lady paused only long enough to glance at the magazine at the newsstand. Hold it a minute. Wait a minute. Magazine, newsstand. Hey. Steve, you think she could have gotten a message out of the magazine she was looking at? I don't know. 
They'd really have to be sure she got the right magazine. But what I'm beginning to wonder is if the contact might not have been a visual one. Visual? I, I don't follow you, Mitchell. Well, something in that waiting room that would give whoever was looking for it a clue as to the meeting place. Yeah, but what could it be? I don't know. Maybe nothing. But it's worth a chance anyway. I'll see you later. <laughs> I head back to the airport waiting room. At this point, I don't even know what I'm looking for, but I start walking around. The newsstand is piled high with various assorted magazines and newspapers, and if the clue to the meeting place is somewhere in the stack, it's a cinch, I'll never find it, then I notice some posters around the walls. Most of them are in Greek, so I motion to one of the porters. He comes over. You uh, speak English? Like a citizen. Good. How about doing a little translating for me? Translating? Sure. What's to translate? That poster there on the wall, what does it say? This movie poster, my favorite. Huh? Bing Crosby, picture his name of Birth of Blues. Birth of the Blues? Brother, that's a real old one. Oh, frequently we do not get picture here until 15 years after they are made. Yeah, we got the same system in the States, only over there they call it television. Well, I guess there's nothing in that poster that'll help me. This picture, name of Birth of Blues, have you seen it? Oh, yeah, quite a few times over the years. He's quite a huge favorite of mine also. Like especially man who has small part of trumpet player, actor name of uh, Brownie Donleffit. That's an interesting pronunciation. You, you ever hear of him? I think he was a child actor in those days. Let's see. How about that poster over there? Let me see. Oh, that is about United Nations Children's Fund, organization to help underprivileged children of all countries. Money is requested. Well, that sounds like a worthwhile cause, mm -hmm. but I don't think that'll help me either. Matter of fact, I'm beginning to think I'm barking up the wrong tree. Whoever I'm after probably can't understand Greek either, so how could he get a message from any of these posters? Well, there's for your trouble, Buster. Oh, sure, thanks. You got any more trouble I could get into at these prices? I'm afraid not. Okay. Hey, just a minute. Uh, something else is troubling, I hope? Yeah. That poster behind you, it's in English. Uh, so for this, you need translation, too? No, no, I can read it all right. Wilson conducted tours of Athens. Bus leaves at 12 each day, returns at 6 each night. Tour includes the Acropolis and other ruins, waterfront, tickets, eight... So if it is tour of city you want, I can give you better one than that. Show you places that you would believe. No, 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 never mind, thanks. Well, I guess that poster's no help either. It's just that for a moment there was something familiar about it, something that reminded me of... Oh, I don't know what. Maybe you got date to go sightseeing. No, no. Well, never mind. Okay. Hey, hold it. So, make up your mind. I think I just did. Huh? Yeah, I remember now. When I got off the train and came in here, there was a man standing in front of this sightseeing poster. Just where you are now. So? So he was blocking out part of the poster with his body, and what was left was here. Here, move over just a little. Sure, sure. Here, that's it. Now I'll read the part of the poster that's still in sight. Twelve night... Waterfront 8. Well, what do you know? This is something of interest? It sure is, Porter. It's the most interesting thing I've seen since I left home. Twelve night waterfront 8. That's it, LeBlanc. And when freely translated, it means Pier 8 at midnight in my book. Hmm. But if you are right, Mitchell, if this is the contact message, then the person for whom it was intended would not need to stop in the waiting room or talk to a soul. Which means it's open season on all the suspects again. Where are they now? Uh, Fabien is drinking alone in the bar. The girl is up in her room. And Stryker is over at the other hotel under the surveillance of your man, uh, Bill uh, Donner. Let's see. It's a quarter after 11. If that message off the poster is the real McCoy, whoever it was intended for will be leaving for the waterfront before long. Mitchell. Look, coming down the stairs. Hmm? Yeah, Marjorie, heading for the bar. I think I'll join her. Very well. I'll remain here in the lobby. Then. Hi, Marjorie. Drop that, will you? <laughs> well, sounds like I just lost a fan. What's the trouble? You sick that jerk Fabian onto me, and then you asked me what's the trouble? Oh, it didn't hit it off so well together, huh? Only one thing I'd like to hit off with him. What's that? His head. <laughs> Come on, I'll buy you a drink. Well... <laughs> Oh, that's the best news I've had all day. Marjorie! Mitchell! Over here! Over oh, here! Oh, Grace. What are you, Fabian's agent? Not exactly. Come on, one drink with him won't kill you. You want to bet? Well, now, this is just fine. I was hoping a friendly face would come along and have a drink with me. Heard any more jokes lately, Fabian? I... Ouch! 
so sorry, Steve. My foot must have just bumped into your shin. Uh, <laughs> well, how about a nice drink for all of us? Then we'll get around to the jokes. I've still got a million of them that you haven't heard. I doubt that <laughs> very much. Yeah, what? Skip it. What time is it, Steve? 11.25. Why? Oh, just thinking. It's that time I turned in. I think I'll just skip this drink. Oh, sort of sleepy all of a sudden, huh? Yeah. Well, maybe, uh... What's the matter, Steve? Uh, nothing. I'll see you kids later. But right now, something is the matter. Standing there in the bar, I can see out into the lobby. And I suddenly notice that the chair out there is empty. It's the chair LeBlanc was sitting in. I go out into the lobby, but he's nowhere in sight. The clerk tells me he went out just a minute ago. Suddenly, I get a wild idea. I head to Pier 8 at the waterfront. It's a few minutes before midnight when I get there, and out near the end of the pier, I see a cigarette glowing in the dark. Probably the foreign agent with a fistful of dough waiting to buy the information about the code. I slip into the shadows and wait. A couple of minutes later, I hear it. Steps on the pier coming my way. This could be the person I've been after at last. Then I see a figure looming up out of the dark. I wait until it's right beside me. Then I jump. LeBlanc. Michel. So that wild idea wasn't so wild after all. What are you talking about? You mostly. I suddenly noticed that you'd left the hotel and it occurred to me you might be my boy. What? Michel, that is absurd. I had a perfectly good reason for leaving the hotel in a hurry. Oh, what was it? Your man Donner sent word from the other hotel that our suspect there, the man called Stryker, was checking out. I proceeded over there immediately and followed Stryker to the airport. But when he boarded a plane for the Far East, I realized that he could not be our man, since he had as yet made contact with no one. I see. I returned to the hotel, but you were gone. Then I remembered the message on the poster you had told me about, so I proceeded here. Well, your story sounds all right, LeBlanc. But of course, because it is true. Oh, no, no, Mitchell, do not let your imagination play tricks on you. I'm trying not to, LeBlanc. I... What is it? Hold it. Yeah, somebody else coming. Get down behind these crates. <laughs> there. Wait. The steps stopped. They must have heard us. Well, LeBlanc, I'm... get back. You okay? Oui. Mitchell! Where did those shots come from? The foreign agent. Farther out on the pier, he must think the first shot was aimed at him. That's our boy again. You know, LeBlanc, this is working out just fine. With luck, they may kill each other off. Hey, sounds like the agent got hit. Listen. Yeah, I'll wait until it gets close. Now! Fabian! Let go! Drop the gun, drop it! I will kill you! I've got your wrist locked. Pull that trigger now and you'll... He shot himself. Yeah. Trying to do likewise to me. Are you all right? Yeah, yeah. So Fabian the jokester was our boy. Mm. Looks like in the long run the joke was on him, but at least he turned out to be a very obliging guy. Obliging? Sure. He killed the goose who was going to lay him the golden egg, and then he killed himself. Come on. I want to take a look at this other guy. Well, Mitchell, it appears our secret is still safe. Yep. Both seller and purchaser of same are out of business. Well, here we are. Shine your light down on the pier. Very well. Ah. Ah, oui, I recognize him. He's a well-known foreign agent. You mean was? Yeah, I've seen his picture before. Wait a minute. This envelope in his hand. He's pretty bulky. Damn, Michel. <laughs> American money. The envelope is bulging with it. Thousand-dollar bills. Fifteen of them. They really must have figured that Fabian's secret was worth plenty, all right? Um... At a time like this, it, it would be convenient to be soldiers of fortune rather than government agents, Michel. Yeah, it'd be a tiny little sum to slip into our pockets, wouldn't it? But I've got a much better idea, LeBlanc. A poster I saw in the airport. Poster? Oh, you mean the one of which you read the message about this meeting place? Oh, no, another one. Advertising the United Nations Children's Fund, an organization to feed and clothe underprivileged and displaced children. According to the poster, they need dough, and here's 15,000 bucks. <laughs> no, that is a splendid idea, Mitchell. You know, I am certain that this dead agent's government could have no possible objection if this money were used for such a noble purpose. Well, after all, LeBlanc, they're always yapping about how interested they are in the little people. So we're just taking them at their word. <laughs> Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell, is written by Bob Reif and Adrian Jondo, with music by Robert Armbruster, and is produced and directed by Bill Carn. 
Be with us again next week at this same time when Brian Donlevy, starring in the role of Steve Mitchell, will embark on another dangerous assignment. This assignment came to you from Hollywood. Theater Guild on the Air brings you Hamlet tomorrow on NBC. Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. Danger is my assignment. I get sent to a lot of places I can't even pronounce. They all spell the same thing, though. Trouble. But when I walk into the commissioner's office, I don't realize that this assignment's going to involve my trying to solve my own murder. Morning, Commissioner. Ruth said you had an assignment for me. You know, you're looking pretty good after all. Thanks. You look dandy, too. Any reason why I shouldn't look all right? Well, according to all the known laws of medical science, right now you should be looking bad. Yeah, why? Last night you dropped dead. Oh, well, if that's all of... Huh? I dropped dead? That's what I said. Well, (laughs) it was certainly the most painless death I ever had anyway. Now, look, Commissioner... I don't know what this is all about, but it's a little early in the morning for jokes, wouldn't you think? Uh, This is no joke. Ever hear of Roquel? No, it sounds like something for a sour stomach. Roquel is the name of the town in South America where you were murdered last night. Murdered? Here we go again. Now, wait a minute. Steve, a man was shot to death in an alley there last night. He was carrying a complete set of credentials which identified him as Steve Mitchell, U.S. government agent. I see. Any idea who this guy really was or why he was posing? None at all. But he was undoubtedly involved in something big, something which required him to pass himself off as a U.S. agent. Oh, and you want to know what that something is, huh? I certainly do, because I have a strong hunch that whatever it is, there's an aroma connected with it that's not very sweet. Uh, any contacts down there who can help me? When you arrive in Roquel, I suggest you talk to an American correspondent named Kavanaugh. He seems to know as much about the incident as anyone right now. Uh, Steve, get down there, talk to Kavanaugh, and then get to the bottom of this whole deal. Well, that's it. You've got your assignment. Good luck. The National Broadcasting Company is presenting Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy in the role of Steve Mitchell, colorful, two-fisted government agent. All those places of the world where danger and intrigue walk hand in hand, there you'll find Steve Mitchell on another dangerous assignment. Sure, I've got my assignment. Just run down to the little town of Rokel in South America and find out who killed me and why. At this point, it sure looks like somebody doesn't like my name much. One man's already been killed just for assuming it. That gives me an uneasy hunch about what's ahead for me, the real owner. It's Wednesday when the plane lands at Roquel, and I find the American correspondent, Kavanaugh, in the nearest bar. <laughs> well, now I've seen everything, Mitchell. A corpse comes wandering around to find out who killed him. Yeah. And what I'm wondering right now is why I ever picked this flea bitten town to get myself knocked off in. <laughs> you really must have been hard up for a spot, believe me. Hey, look, Kavanaugh. This guy who got himself killed, did he look anything like me? No, no. He was an American, too, but that's about all. But those credentials he had, I got a look at them, and they sure looked like the real McCoy to me. Yeah? What do you think the guy's anger was, Mitchell? That's what I'm down here to find out. What can you tell me about the actual shooting? Well, it took place in the alley right outside this bar. Oh? Were you in here at the time? (laughs) Where else? Silly question. Well, go on. I heard a shot. I ran outside. The guy was lying on the ground. Somebody was bending over him. Huh? Looked to me like he was trying to get something out of the dead man's pockets. Did you get a good look at him? No, it was too dark. As a matter of fact, I'm not sure it was even to him. I see. This guy's body at the morgue? Yeah, yeah. Come on, I'll take you over there. Thanks. 
right, Cavanaugh. He looks like an American, all right, but there's sure not much resemblance to me. You seen enough? Yeah. I'd like to take a look at those phony credentials. You happen to know who's got them now? Well, the police, I imagine. Mm. Okay, I'll check there. Hey, you know who those people are who just came in, Cavanaugh? They seem to be heading this way. Well, the stocky guy in the uniform is Colonel Gomez, head of the National Police. Oh. But I've never seen the other guy or the dame before. But I'm certain, Colonel, that he was not involved in anything criminal. That is for us to determine, Senora. Hello, Colonel. Oh, Senor Cavanaugh, the American journalist. Colonel, I've got someone here I know you'll be interested in meeting. The real Steve Mitchell. So? <gasps> Glad to know you, Colonel Gomez. And are you, Senor? I am indeed happy you have been sent down here to help us clear up this mystery. Well, looks like I didn't go over so well with the little lady here. She has indeed good cause for alarm at being confronted by you, Senor Mitchell. How so? Because this is your wife. It's my... (laughs) Well, I seem to have pretty good taste. By which I mean to say that this woman is Senora Maria Mitchell, wife of the man who was posing as yourself. And this is her brother, Senor Miguel Escobar. Escobar? Senor? Senora, how long was your husband using my name? But I did not know he was using anyone's name, senor. I thought it was his own. He was using it when I first met him. Oh? How long ago was that? A little over a month. Only a month? And yet you were married to him? Senor, if you are casting reflections upon my sister, you will answer to me. Escobar, I'm not casting reflections on anyone. I'm just trying to find out a few facts. You will answer, senor Mitchell, senora Mitchell. I mean, senora... Well, answer him. It was true. I had not known him long. And I met him in a cantina, a bar. Everything was against us. And yet I loved him. And now he's dead. Uh, yeah. Look, have you any idea what your husband could have been involved in? Senor, can you not see that this is a very bad time to question my sister? I insist that you... Look, Escobar, a guy using my name has been killed. It's important to me to find out if he was killed because he was using my name. If so, whoever did it will be trying to do likewise to me. So suppose you just button up your... I am merely trying to protect my sister. I wonder. What do you mean by that? Senor Escobar, you will hold your tongue. Senor Mitchell has every right to ask any questions he desires. Thanks, Colonel, but I guess that'll be all for now. I would like to look at the dead man's effects, however. But of course, if you will come with me into the next room... I'll be out here when you're through, Mitchell. Okay, Kavanaugh. The effects are on the table. Yeah. Well, not much here to give us a lead. Cigarettes, matches, money, key. Yeah, wonder what the key's for. The dead man's apartment. I searched it personally, but could find nothing that might throw any light on this matter. I see. Mind if I take the key? But of course not. It is possible you may find something that I may have missed. Colonel Gomez, what do you think this is all about? I wish I knew, Mitchell. It's all very perplexing. Yeah. Anything cooking in this country in the way of intrigue or anything like that? Not that I know of. And I am certain I would know if there were. You see, Mitchell, as head of the National Police, I am actually second in command to El Presidente. I see. Okay, Colonel. I'm going over to the dead man's apartment. I'll see you later. I head for the dead man's apartment, letting myself in with a key, and I give the room a frisk. But the only items of interest are a couple of matchbooks with the name of a bar on them. La Posada. The door. I go over and open it. Standing in the hall is a small, middle-aged, nervous-looking gent. Are you Senor Mitchell? Okay. So how do I answer that one? Does he mean am I the phony Mitchell or the real Mitchell? I guess I hesitate too long because he suddenly whips a gun out of his pocket. I dive at him just as the gun goes off. A hot streak shears its way across the top of my head and I go down. I come out of it a few minutes later, complete with a red-hot crease on the top of my head. The little trigger man, of course, is gone. I go outside and start down the main street. Then I spot a sign over a door, La Posada. The same bar on the match folders in the dead man's apartment. I go inside. Out in the center of the floor, a girl has just finished her dance. One look at her and I can see why the ovation. I go over to the bar. Si, senor. Cerveza? No, information. Uh, this comes in a button? Hey, look. Did you ever see a guy named Steve Mitchell around here? Mitchell? 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 You don't have to memorize it. Just tell me if you've ever seen him in here before. Mitchell! Do you remember him? I don't think so. Thanks a lot. About that, uh, I asked George. Maybe George remembers. Who's he? Who, who is he? Who's he? <laughs> hey, brother. 
My routines are hilarious. I could make a fortune down here. Now, look, Giggles. What's so funny? George! George, come in a minute. The senor wants to talk to you. Thank you, bartender. I'm... Hey, wait a minute. Hello. You're the dancer. See. Si. Don't tell me your name is George. Okay, George. Don't tell him. Okay, card. How did you ever get a handle like that? Senor. I mean a name like that. The Teresa. One of them start calling me George, so now everybody call me George. Now, what you want and why you don't buy me a drink, eh? Well, later. Right now, I'd like to know if you've ever seen a guy named Steve Mitchell in here. That bum. Yeah? Uh-huh. Real imposter, huh? Hmm? You know anything about him? Not much. He spend money, take trips. Trips? What kind of trips? I don't know. He used to go to the interior once in a while. But now I don't see him for a while, and that's okay with me. So why we don't quit talking about this, Mitchell, huh? What's your name, buddy? You'd never believe it, George. So maybe we just better skip it and have a drink, huh? With me, goodbye. Hey, Steve. I've been looking all over for you. Oh, Kevna, what's up? Well, you can quit looking for the guy who killed you. Oh? You know, I don't think I hear so good. There's nothing wrong with your hearing, George, if it sounds confusing. It's because it is. So why can't I quit looking for the guy who killed me, Kavanaugh? Because he's down at the police station right now. What? Yeah, yeah, he just walked in and confessed. Colonel Gomez has him in that room down the hall, Mitchell. Okay. Now if we can just find out from him why he killed this guy who was posing as me. Well, here we are. That's him. The little guy sitting there. Hey! Senor Mitchell, you're still alive. It sure isn't your fault I am, Buster. Hey, what's this all about? See, si, Senor Mitchell, perhaps you will be good enough to explain. It's very simple, Colonel Gomez. While I was searching the dead man's apartment an hour ago, this little character showed up at the door and asked if I was Steve Mitchell. While I was trying to figure out whether he meant the real Mitchell or the phony Mitchell, he pulled a gun. I dove for him and deflected his aim a little, and he creased my head and took off. I, I would have sworn you were dead, but what is this about the real Mitchell and the phony Mitchell, Mitchell? Night before last, the man, posing as myself, got killed in an alley. When Kavanaugh told me you'd walked in here and confessed, I figured you were the one who killed him. But I did not even know of the existence of this other man. When I confessed a few minutes ago, it was because I thought I'd killed you at that apartment. You know, somebody better start explaining this to me. It's getting to sound more like a Chinese puzzle by the second C. And it is also quite embarrassing, Senor Mitchell. How so, Colonel? This little character, as you call him, this man who shot at you is Senor Morilla, a respected member of our National Assembly and a loyal supporter of our government. What? Oh, this is going to look great in print. I was convinced that I was acting in the best interest of my country, Senor Mitchell. I repeat that I did not know a man had been impersonating you. That, of course, explains everything. Well, I'm glad to hear it makes sense to somebody. Senor Morilla, a statement from you would be in order. Very well, Colonel. You see, for some time now... I have been concerned with the bands of rebels who are hiding in our mountains. Those rebels. Again, you should realize, Senor Morilla, they are not powerful Allow enough. me to finish, Colonel Gomez. I planted one of my men in that camp to find out what they were doing. This man reported to me that a certain Senor Steve Mitchell had been going from camp to camp, promising United States backing to the rebels and offering to sell them guns and ammunition. What is this you are saying? Don't stop him now, Colonel. The deal is just starting to make sense. I was deeply shocked and bitter at what I considered to be the vile treachery of this man and of the United States, whom he claimed to represent. I learned his address here in the city. When I rang the doorbell, you answered the door, Senor Mitchell. I assumed you were the man I sought and fired at you. I, I can only say now that I am covered with shame. Well, it'll wash off. Right now, I'd like to hear a little more about these rebels in the interior. Well, that's always been sort of a touchy subject around here, Mitchell. You see, there's some people who sympathize with these rebels who believe that... Senor Cavanaugh, allow me to point out that when it comes to the affairs of this country, you are an outsider. If there are any statements to be made concerning these rebels, I will make them. Well, that suits me, Colonel. And speaking of statements, uh, didn't your president make one a couple of months ago? To the effect that he intended to sit down with the leaders of the rebel bands and see if their differences and grievances couldn't be ironed out peaceably? I believe some such statement was issued to the press. Well, I don't remember those talks ever taking place. How come? Because I advised El Presidente against it. Oh? See, I considered it beneath the dignity of the government to recognize such rabble. (laughs) You know, that's the funny thing about rabble, Colonel. It can get pretty powerful. Indeed. You speak as an expert in such matters, Senor Cavanaugh. Uh, just an observation. This rebel did not used to be powerful. Now, we have known for some time that the rebels would like to march on the city. 
They have always been low on guns and leadership. Now, however, it appears to be a different story. An enemy of my government is trying to arm this riffraff. Then it is possible they might feel strong enough to make their move. A move which would plunge our country into a bloody civil war. No, Morila. This will never happen as long as I, Gomez, am alive. You must remember that I control the militia. I will search out these rebels in the hills and smash them now, all of them, before they can organize. There's one big thing wrong with that idea, Colonel. And what is that? A lot of people would be killed. If you mean the armed rebels, then I say good riddance. I think I've got a better idea. Suppose someone went into the interior, located the headquarters of the rebels, and talked to their leaders. Talked to them? Yeah, told them that this fake Steve Mitchell was exploiting them and that the whole thing is a racket. Senor Mission, whom do you have in mind to make this trip into the interior? Myself. You? Why not, Marilla? You're tired of living, maybe? Not particularly, Kavanaugh. Why? Well, those boys in the interior are pretty rugged. I'll take my chances that they'll listen to me. It sounds like a pretty crazy idea to me. Oh? Maybe you don't want me to make the trip, huh, Kavanaugh? Me? Why should I care one way or another? You know, that's just what I was wondering. Senor Mitchell, I appreciate the generosity of your offer, but I am afraid I cannot permit you to take the risk. Look, Colonel, my government has been dragged into this deal by that dead gun peddler and whoever is behind him. I think they'd feel a lot better if one of their agents could help straighten the thing out without bloodshed. I do not know. According to my information, the rebel headquarters are well hidden. Well, with time, I might be able to locate them. And there is the matter of the security of my government. If these rebels are armed, they must be smashed now. I feel I should give the order to the militia to search them out and destroy them. I'm asking you to delay the order until I've had a chance to talk to them. Very well. I will delay the order 12 hours. Hmm. That's not very much. I can give you no more, senor. 12 hours in which to locate the rebels' headquarters and to undertake your journey. One which I sincerely hope will not turn out to be a one-way trip. Three chimes mean good times on NBC. For something new about the Army, hear the Phil Regan Show tomorrow on NBC. Coming from a different service base every week, Phil Regan brings you songs and fun and brings prizes to talented G.I.s. It's an exciting newcomer in your Sunday chime lineup on NBC. Also, Sunday means Cary Grant and Betsy Drake as Mr. and Mrs. Blanding. Now back to Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. So now I've got just 12 hours to prevent a civil war from breaking out. That means I've got to locate the rebel headquarters in a hurry. Then I remember George, the dancing girl. Maybe she can give me a lead. I hurry back to the bar where she works. Look, buddy, don't waste my time no more. The last time you were in here, you were going to buy me a drink. So what happened? All of a sudden, poof, you're gone. Yeah, yeah, I got called away in a hurry. Now, look, George, I need a little information about this guy, Steve Mitchell, who used to come in here. I tell you, I don't want to talk about that bum. You say he made frequent trips into the interior. You happen to know where? No. He wanted to take me a couple of times, but never I would go. Well, that's not much help. You happen to know how he made the trips. I mean, did he fly, take a boat, what? What? Huh? He drove an automobile. I see. Well, that's still not much to go on. All the time, a different color. What's that? One time he come by to ask me to go with him. He's driving a blue car. Yeah? Next time, a black car. Yeah. And once he's driving a green car. I almost went with him then. I like green. Mm, sounds like he rented the cars for the trips. Okay, George, thanks. Hey, wait a minute, buddy. What's the matter? So don't tell me now you're going to poof off your go again without buying me a drink. I don't think this is much of a friendship. Here, you think this will make up for the poof? Oh, senor. By this, you got an extra poof coming. Like I told you, I like green. I start scouring the town for car rental agencies, and I find three of them. At the first two, I draw blanks. Finally, along about dark, I work my way to the third, and the old gent in charge is sitting in a little office fighting a brave but losing battle to stay awake. What was that the name again? Mitchell. Steve Mitchell. Mitchell? Come on, Buster. Alfredo. Okay, Alfredo. Now prop open those peepers long enough to tell me whether or not a guy named Steve Mitchell ever rented a car from you. Steve Mitchell, oh, see, he rented a car from me. How long ago? Oh, two, three days. Which car did he rent the last time? Over, over there, the green one. Huh? 
It's a nice car. You like to rent it, maybe? Hey, 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 come on, come on, snap out of it. My so comfortable, I'm, I'm so tired. Yeah, yeah, so am I. You keep uh, mileage figures on your cars. Well, see, there on the wall, senor. If you don't mind, you're rich, huh? huh? Okay. Yeah. Uh, here we are. Speedometer reading. Let's see. A car traveled a total of about 400 kilometers on the trip. Okay, got a map? Hey. Hmm? Map, map. Oh, see, up on the shelf. Okay, I got it. Now, let's see. Car traveled a total of 400 kilometers, 200 there and back. So, if I use this point as a center and draw a circle within a radius of 200 kilometers. There. That looks pretty. Thanks. Now, somewhere near the rim of that circle is a spot he traveled to. Circle goes through some pretty rugged country, and from the looks of that car, it's been washed since he brought it back. See, this morning. So, there's no clay or mud on it to give me a clue as to what kind of country he traveled through. Senor, huh? uh, why you draw this pretty circle on the map and play the real games with yourself? It doesn't happen to be a game, Alfredo. I'm trying to figure out what spot in the interior this guy went to, and right now it doesn't look like I'm getting very far. But, but if you want to know where he went, I will tell you. What? See, the village of San Bruno. How did you figure that out? Because you tell me. Well, why didn't you say so before? You didn't ask me. Okay, okay, so I am the sleepy one, I guess. San Bruno, huh? Well, thank you, and sweet dreams, Alfredo. I get a block down the street, and then I realize I've forgotten to ask Alfredo if that guy ever took anyone with him to San Bruno. I go back. Alfredo Stilson sitting in the same spot, his head on his arms. Didn't take him long to get back to sleep. I shake him, but he doesn't come out of it. I lift up his head, and then I see why. How can you wake up when your throat has been cut? Now I know whoever's behind this deal is keeping up with me every step of the way, and I realize this isn't the healthiest spot in the world for me right now. I get out of there fast. The streets are dark and deserted, and I take Avenida Ruiz, one of the streets that leads to my hotel, and then, as I'm walking along, I hear some steps behind me. I stop. They stop, too. I start walking again. So does the other guy. I stop again. This time, the other guy keeps coming. Suddenly, I see a glint of metal in the shadows, and I hit the ground. The slug bounces off the wall behind me. Before I can get a look at the trigger man, he ducks into the alley. I scramble to my feet and take off after him, but when I get into the alley, there's no one in sight. I pound through the alley to the next block, and then I spot a guy running across the square. He passes under a streetlight, and I get a look at his face. It's a newspaper correspondent, Kavanaugh. So, at this point, it looks like he's my boy, but right now, I'm more interested in getting to the rebel headquarters of San Bruno because I know my time is running out. I phone the airport and tell them I'm on my way out. When I get there, they've got a transport plane warming up, and Colonel Gomez is waiting for me. Ah, good evening, Senor Mitchell. What luck? Pretty good, Colonel Gomez. I think I've located the rebels' headquarters. Splendid. Where is it? Well, if my information's correct, it's near the village of San Bruno in the interior, and I think my information is correct because somebody sure didn't want me to find that out. What do you mean? The guy who told me got his throat slit right afterwards. I see. San Bruno... It is wild country, Mitchell. Yeah? But there is an emergency landing script not far from the village. Incidentally, Colonel, how come you're wearing a flight jacket? I am to be your pilot, Senor Mitchell. Oh? See, you are making this trip to help my country. I feel the least I can do is share the responsibility and the danger. Okay, Colonel. Thanks. Hey, how huh? about taking a passenger? Kavanaugh. Well, <laughs> how about it? You uh, think maybe you might get another chance to kill me up on that plane, huh, Kavanaugh? What? What are you talking about? Don't tell me that wasn't you I saw running across that square near my hotel right after that shot was fired at me. Mitchell. Sure. Sure, that was me. You promised me an exclusive on this deal, remember? Yeah. So when you started shagging around investigating, I thought I'd better follow you to keep posted. Oh? I heard the shot. I saw a guy duck into an alley, so I started chasing him. That's what I was doing, running across the square when you spotted me. But needless to say, he got away, huh? He sure did. Mitchell, you did not tell me of this attempt on your life. When did it happen? About a half an hour ago, Colonel. I was walking along the street towards my hotel when somebody took a shot at me. I see. You were fortunate to escape with your life. At Avenida Ruiz, it is a perfect spot for ambush. Fully lit, several alleys. Uh, yeah. You still haven't told me whether or not I get to go with you on this trip. No soap, Kavanaugh. Well, now, that's just fine, that is. 
You know, Mitchell, you could take a few lessons in gratitude. Yeah? Well, maybe you could take a few from one eye Connolly. Come on, Colonel. The colonel and I head for the control tower to check the weather. Ten minutes later, we take off. The colonel heads the transport in the direction of San Bruno, and pretty soon we're flying over some dense jungle. Senor Mitchell, I did not understand your remark to Senor Cavanaugh before we took off. Who is this one-eyed Connolly you refer to? Uh, just a character up in the States, Colonel. And I do not understand why, if Cavanaugh is the man who tried to kill you, you did not want him arrested. I didn't have any proof, Colonel. Anyway, I figured it was more important for us to get to San Bruno and talk to the rebel leaders. You are still convinced you can prevent a civil war, Mitchell? I am still convinced it's worth a try, Colonel. How much longer until we get there? As a matter of fact, Mitchell, you might say we are there right now. Eh? I don't see anything but jungle down there. I mean, how much longer to the end of the trip? And I repeat, you have already reached the end of your trip. Hey, now look, I... Well, that gun says you mean just what you say, too. Indeed it does. So you're my boy, Colonel Gomez. At this point, it would appear that you are my boy, Mitchell. And you're the one who was backing the sale of guns to the rebels, huh? Why? That does not concern you now, Mitchell. You're second in command of your government. You wouldn't by any chance be bucking for number one spot, would you? I would indeed, Mitchell. Sure. You hire a guy to sell guns to the rebels and promise them U.S. support. That gets them steamed up to fight. Then you go in with more troops and better weapons and wipe them out. All of a sudden, you're a national hero. Up comes an election and it's Gomez for president. You trace my future career with great accuracy. Well, so what happens to me now, Gomez? It is quite simple. First, I shoot you. Andy. Then I push your body out of the plane. Then I fly back and announce that the rebels have killed you. And, of course, you'll use that as an excuse to move in with your troops. Exactly. Well, I'm sorry to disappoint you, Colonel, but that's not exactly the way it's going to work out. Indeed, and why not, may I ask? We're going to fly back to the Capitol, explain the whole thing. You're going to stand trial for murder, and five will get you ten. Your president will sit down and talk to the rebels and straighten everything out peacefully. <laughs> you think I'm kidding? I enjoy your sense of humor. A man who is powerless, yet you can make jokes. The joke's on you, Colonel. You see, a transport's a pretty good-sized plane. What do you mean? Just that we're not alone. What? If you don't believe me, look behind you. Oh, oh no, my friend. That is the oldest trick in the world. I will not fall for it. He ain't kidding, Colonel. Wait, Kavanaugh! Thanks for turning your head, Gomez. Let's go. <laughs> that, my friend, is what I would call a first-class clip. Now then, there's just one thing I want to know. What? Can you fly this tub? Look, Ma, I'm doing it, ain't I? <laughs> I wasn't sure whether or not you got the message back at the airfield, Kavanaugh. Well, when you mentioned one-eyed Conley, the world's greatest gatecrasher, I figured you wanted me to copy his act. So I crawled aboard while you two were in the control tower. But uh, what made you suspect the colonel? When I told him about the attempt on my life, he said the Avenida Ruiz was a dangerous street. Remember? But I hadn't told him where it had happened. I see. Well, I'll bet he'll be kicking himself for being such an eager beaver. He won't be worrying about that very long. Why, what do you mean? I've got a strong hunch that eager beaver is due to turn into a dead duck. Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell, is written by Bob Reif and Adrian Chondo, with music by Robert Armbruster, and is produced and directed by Bill Karn. Be with us again next week at this same time when Brian Donlevy, starring in the role of Steve Mitchell, will embark on another dangerous assignment. chimes mean good times on NBC. Tomorrow, there's another gala broadcast of The Big Show as hostess Tallulah Bankhead welcomes Jimmy Durante, Evelyn Knight, Bob Burns, and many more. Also on Sunday, Theater Guild brings you the delightful story, The Hasty Heart, starring John Lund, Jane Wyatt, and Richard Green. Now, it's The Man Called X on NBC. Mm. 
Thanks for joining us at 1001 Radio Days, your home for the best of Golden Age Radio, when radio was king. Make sure to check out our other radio show, 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. If you enjoyed tonight's show, please do take a moment and send us a review. We always appreciate reviews, and they help new listeners find us. Until next time, this is your host, John Hagedorn. Stay safe, and we'll be back soon at 1001 Radio Days. Ba 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 